We are studying through the book of Galatians. We've reached Galatians chapter 5. And the theme of the book of Galatians is learning to live in the Spirit of God. We're saved by grace through faith. And if you add anything to that, it's no longer the gospel. Is that right? But that's not what the book of Galatians is about. It does deal with that. The, the theme of the book of Galatians is that not only are we saved by faith, not only are we born again by the Holy Spirit of God, but that's the same way that we live the Christian life. I was speaking to a pastor friend this week, or last week, about this subject and about living in the Spirit and yielding to the Holy Spirit. And he said this to me, I know all that, but how do you do it? I know that. How do you do it? And I told him, be sure and download my message from next week because I'll have all the answers. <laughs> Don't you wish it was that easy? Well, it's not easy, but the Word of God does instruct us in the process, and that's what we're going to look at today. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5. Let's start reading in verse 13. For brethren, so again, this is for believers. If you are not saved, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for your eternal life, this isn't for you. You'll learn some things about yourself today. But this is for believers. And so if you've never trusted Christ alone for your eternal life, that's the first step. You need to care for that today. So here again, verse 13. For brethren... Ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So as believers, we looked at this last week, as believers, once I am saved, I'm free from all the sin. I'm free from all the guilt of my past. I'm free to serve Him. There's nothing I can ever do to lose my salvation. There's nothing else that I have to do to gain salvation. Salvation is a gift that comes from Jesus Christ. But that liberty doesn't mean that I can live any way that I want to. How many of you have ever heard this? You Baptists believe once saved, always saved. How many of you have ever heard somebody say something like that to you? Does that mean that I can kill somebody and still go to heaven? Has anyone ever heard a question like that? And what's the answer? Yes. Yes, you can. And you say that to them and they go, they don't expect you to answer yes. They think they got you in a trap. No, because salvation is a gift. And my behavior has nothing to do with whether or not I've received that gift. Now, my behavior can keep someone else from receiving that gift. Isn't that right? But my liberty is not to be used for my flesh. And that's what we're going to look at today because the Bible describes that clearly. Look at what the Bible says, verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, how many of you see that's more than one word? But what's the one word in there that he's talking about? Love. Love. I'm free to love someone else. And we looked at that last Sunday night. Now, look at verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. It is amazing that Christians can behave that way. Isn't it? So let's not do that. Then verse 16. This, I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Okay, so we've come that far. That's where we came as far as last Sunday. Now, this is new material. Verse 19. Now, 
Would you mark that word now? Now. This was true when this passage was written. It was true a thousand years ago. It was true 500 years ago. It's true today and it will be true until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. This is the truth about your flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. It's clear. Everybody knows this. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, uh, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. That sounds like Congress. <laughs> Look at this. Of which I tell you, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, what a passage. There's, there's a lot in this, and we're probably going to be in this passage more than just this week. But what a contrast. Now, how many of you have heard of the fruit of the Spirit? But rarely do you see the fruit of the flesh listed. Why? Because everybody loves good news. We all love good news, but you can't get to the good news until you see the bad news. And so we're going to take it as a whole. You can't understand the fruit of the Spirit unless you understand the fruit of the flesh. And they're both existent. So number one, number one, first thing that I want you to see from this text is these are not learned behaviors. These are not learned behaviors. The first list are not learned behaviors. And the second list are not learned behaviors. These are things that you are born into. The fruit of the flesh, look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? This is what the flesh does. You don't have to be taught how to do these things. This is what the flesh does. Now how many of you recognize the fruit of the flesh in the culture? This is the this list right here is a description of the United States of America. Now I've never been to India, but I would imagine that this is a description of the people who live in India. Why? Because do you know who lives in India? People. You know who lives in the United States? People. Are we better than the people in India? No. We're just people and we have flesh. These are not learned behaviors. The first list comes naturally. How many of you get it? That, that, that first list, it's just, that's easy. We get that. But the second list also comes naturally to everybody who's born again. You don't acquire these things by your behavior. You acquire these things by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, you can say this. How many of you were taught as a young person that you ought to love people. You're taught that. Uh, how about that you're supposed to be good to people? 
and you're supposed to be patient, right? We all know those things, but then your mom and dad had to beat you to get you to do that. Isn't that right? So these behaviors can be coerced to a certain extent. But as far as actually living them, having them apparent in your life, that's something that's different. That's something that's different. Carrie, I think about your mom getting saved and the change in your mom. How many of you have had a loved one who gets saved and there's stuff, it just changes. There's stuff that you see, this was not here before. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, does that mean that we've arrived? No, no. And again, we're going to be looking at some of those things. I have this written down. The Holy Spirit changes everything. When the Holy Spirit comes and we yield to the Holy Spirit, everything in our life changes. But we still have our flesh. So the first list is the byproduct of the human spirit. And that's why these things are present everywhere. It's the byproduct of the human spirit. The second list is the byproduct of the Holy Spirit. But how do you do that? How do you do that? Imagine, James Knox used this illustration. I I thought it was a good illustration. Imagine if I wanted to become a concert pianist. And don't laugh at me. You didn't? Okay. All right. My son, Jacob, and he mocks me. All right? I just beat him like, you know, pancake batter, but that's all right. Um, Imagine if I want to become a concert pianist, and so I get the greatest pianist that I know. Um, Jacob and I, Lydia, we like to listen to this guy, Daniel Hopkins. He's at West Coast Baptist College. And I told Jacob, anything less than that is failure. How's that for encouragement? And he says, Dad, you don't understand. He's not human. (laughs) This is the way he plays. When he plays the piano, it sounds like there's two or three different people playing, and it's just this guy. So imagine if Daniel Hopkins sits down next to me at the piano, and I just want to learn how to play like him. Well, there's some problems. His fingers are probably six inches longer than mine. There's human inability here. He has some talent that I don't have. But let's say that he sits down next to me and he shows me his method. He shows me his theory. He shows me everything that he does. And then he gives me videos that I can watch. I'm still not going to play like Daniel Hopkins. Is that right? I'm not physically capable of doing that. But imagine if somehow Daniel Hopkins could enter into my body. That's kind of creepy. But just just picture this. Well, don't picture it because it's creepy. But try to get the concept. So Daniel Hopkins comes in my body and uses my hands, my feet, my mind, my eyes to play the piano. Someone that heard me play then would say, you sound just like Daniel Hopkins. Why? Because it's Daniel Hopkins using me to play. It's not me. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. The Holy Spirit... What the, the whole Christian life is about is the Holy Spirit indwelling us and us yielding to Him in such a way that people say, you look just like the Master. That's what happens. I don't get it, Pastor. All you can do is picture being possessed by someone else and that person working through your body. That's what the Spirit-filled life is about. Pastor, that sounds spooky. It's really not. How many of you believe that the Holy Spirit indwells you at salvation? Well, that fruit of the Spirit is what the Holy Spirit produces in your life. We understand what our flesh produces. The object of the Christian life is seeing what the Holy Spirit can produce. And that's what this text is about.
the objective, or the objective of the Christian life is for the Holy Spirit to control my mind, my feet, my hands, my eyes, my tongue. So let me ask you this question. What in my flesh changed when I got saved? Nothing. Nothing. I have the same mind. I have the same body. I have the same desires. I have the same issues after I got saved that I did before I got saved. Why? Because I still have my flesh. Our battle is not against the world, though the world is where the enemy is. Is that right? My battle is against me and the control of my members. That's what the battle is. See, the issue is government. Who's going to rule? The Holy Spirit or me? That's what the issue will always be. Let's, let's try to get an understanding of this. Go to John chapter 3 with me. John chapter 3. Look at verse 1. And I think this passage gives us the best understanding of this subject. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Uh, I was Jacob and I were doing something really spiritual this week. We were eating wings. And um, he asked me this question. He said, Do you think Nicodemus was being sarcastic when he said that? And I said, I don't think so. Sometimes it's hard for us, 2,000 years later, to imagine a time where nobody had ever heard of being born again. This was the first time that concept had been introduced. So now imagine, you know, our missionary there in Papua New Guinea, he meets someone who's never heard the gospel, doesn't even know what the Bible is, and never seen anybody who knows anything about it, and he says to him, you must be born again. What's that guy going to say? Are you kidding me? Really? And so Jesus Christ explains what he is meaning to Nicodemus. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the, into the kingdom of God. So water is the physical birth. Spirit is the new birth. Look at verse 6. This is what I want you to get. Think about our subject. We have the fruit of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, that whole list, Right? Look at what the Bible says. That which is born of the flesh was flesh. What does the Bible say? Is flesh. And this is a mistake that we make. We think about it as if when I get saved, that which is born of the flesh was flesh. But now I'm saved, I don't have it. No, Jesus Christ says that which is born of flesh is. You might want to mark that in your Bible. This will really help you to live the Christian life. This will help you so much to live the Christian life. That which is born of flesh is flesh. What's the next part say? That which is born of the Spirit, what? 
is spirit. See, we have to get this. The Holy Spirit of God that lives in me will never become carnal. Is that right? The Holy Spirit of God that lives in me will never sin. The Holy Spirit will never fail. That's a blessing. And my flesh will never be spiritual. That's the hard part. You see, what religion does is it's trying to make the flesh spiritual. So you have all of these different rituals, all of these different kinds of ceremonial washings, all of these different kinds of baptisms, all of these behavior modification systems that are designed to try and make your flesh holy. Now, we've looked at this before, but let's look at it again to try and get this. Keep your place in John 8. I'm sorry, in John 3, because we're going to come back. Look at Philippians chapter 3. This is one of the most helpful passages for me. Have you ever said this? How could I do that? I love the Lord. I'm saved. How can I think this way? How can I behave this way? Right? Can we all just testify? How many of you have ever thought that? Yeah. No, most of you think, how could he behave that way? How could... Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. And look at verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven. That's where our life is supposed to be. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What's He going to do when He comes? Who shall change our, what? Vile body. Now, how does that help your self-esteem? Can you imagine, you teachers? By the way, I meant to say this before the service started. I've been praying for you teachers this week. You've just gone back to school. You're just meeting the new little urchins that you're going to deal with. Little skulls full of mush that you have to try and form into something solid. I have been praying for you this week as you've gone back to school. But imagine, you teachers. Hello, you vile things. (laughs) That kind of goes against our modern philosophy, doesn't it? Because, you know, you can be anything you want to be, you can do anything. Really? Anything? You've heard me say this. You can do anything you want. I'm not going to dunk a basketball. There are some things I cannot do. We lie to these kids. You know, if somebody said to me, when I was little, Jimmy, yeah, you can be a rocket scientist. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. There's not a chance. I mean, nobody wants to get on a rocket that Jim Alter designed. I can't do that. So you see how some of the foundation of what we say to people, it's just a lie. You can do anything you want to do. No, you can be whatever God wants you to be. That's a true statement. And God did not want me to be a rocket scientist. Amen? So we have to understand, we are sinners. We are sinners. We are vile. And that goes against everything that the culture says. It goes against everything that modern religion says. And if we'll just get this, then we'll understand why we need the Holy Spirit of God. But here's the the thought. That which is flesh is flesh. Let's all say that together. All right? That which is flesh is flesh. Yes! Okay, now look at what God's going to do to change that. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His 
glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Here's the power that it takes to change your vile body into Christ's righteous body. The power that can control everything in the universe. So ladies, when you're trying to change your husband, eh, you can't do it. Amen? This is an interesting thing. Parents, when you're trying to change your kids, you can't do it. Now, are we still supposed to discipline our children? Yes. But who's going to change your kids? The Lord, the Holy Spirit of God. I, um, I was thinking about this yesterday in the evening. Last night when I got home, we were all sitting in the room and the family were just talking for a few minutes. And this is the thought that came to me. I want to make sure that my kids have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the danger. My kids have grown up in a home and in a church where we talk about this stuff all the time. They're very familiar. I pray with my children just about every night that they'll grow up to love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that together just about every night. They've heard it all their lives. But that doesn't mean it is. Is that right? So Lydia has to have a personal walk with the Lord. Jacob has to have a personal walk with the Lord. Mom has to have a personal walk with the Lord. Dad has to have a personal walk with the Lord. My title does not give me a walk with the Lord. Is that right? It has to be a personal thing. As I'm raising my children, I have to make sure that I am conscious of the fact that the only thing that can turn them into Christ-like young people is the Spirit of Christ. And so we have to speak about that. We have to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. We have to have them underneath the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. We have to make sure that they are personally reading and digesting and understanding the Word of God. Why? It's the Holy Spirit that makes changes, not people. My life, my flesh, will be wicked until I die or until the, Holy Spirit, or until the Lord Jesus Christ returns and changes me. That which is born of the flesh... But praise God, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You see, if you're born again, you have two natures, your sin nature and your spirit, your Holy Spirit, your new nature. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So how does this work? Go back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Look at verse 8. Well, let's look at verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Now look at this verse. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. That's kind of a difficult verse to understand. It's kind of a difficult verse, but that's because we don't deal with boats a whole lot anymore. All right? You've heard of a boat listing one way or the other. What does the wind do? The wind makes that boat move. And when the wind moves, you hear it in the trees. You hear the wind. You don't see it. You don't. The only way that you know that it's there is when the wind is there, things move. That's what the Holy Spirit does. How do you know that the Holy Spirit is in you? When the Holy Spirit is there, things move. Things 
change. That's what the Holy Spirit of God does. If you've been saved for 30 years and nothing has changed, you might not be saved. You you need to make sure that's something you'd want to check out. If you have no appetite for spiritual things and you have never had an appetite for spiritual things, the Holy Spirit might not be in you. How do you get the Holy Spirit? You've got to get saved. Born again. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit will move. Why? The flesh does what the flesh does, and the Spirit does what the Spirit does. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying that you don't struggle with the flesh. I'm watching some of you struggle with the flesh right now. It's this. What is that? Struggle with the flesh. Why? Because the preacher's boring. I'm doing my best, folks. <laughs> Jump up and down or something. Did you like that vertical? I can really get up. Look. All of us struggle with our flesh every day. Laura said to me this morning, I'm staying home today. I said, me too. Let Dr. Shelley take it today. Why? Because I just got out of bed. I don't want to move. How many of you know people, they wake up, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I hate those people. You have your flesh. It's there. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Is there a dentist in the house? So what do I do? So how, how do I... How do I... Live in the Spirit. How does that happen? Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, look at verse 16. Remember I said the, the issue of the Christian life is one of government. Look at what it says. Know ye not... That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And that's salvation. You've obeyed the gospel. You've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Verse 18. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So here's the idea. I will either serve my flesh or I'll serve the Spirit of God in me. I will submit to my flesh or I will submit to the Holy Spirit of God that's in me. The Christian life comes down to this. It is one decision. But not, not, not salvation. Salvation is one decision. It's trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The living the Christian life, it's very simple. It comes down to one decision. One decision that's made daily and many times a day. Am I going to submit to the Holy Spirit of God or am I going to submit to my flesh? And we all know what that is. But how many of you ever had your flesh want to do something that the Spirit would not want you to do? That's the decision. That's the decision. And most of the time, we know what the right decision is. And to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. That's the Christian life. It is either yielding to the Holy Spirit 
or yielding to the flesh. How do I do that? It's walking in His Word. It's walking in prayer. It's walking in the Spirit. Go back to Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Here's the idea. It's very simple. You've got somebody that's giving you grief. You can walk in the flesh and punch them in the face, or you can walk in the Spirit and die to self. It really is that simple. Well, pastor, I wasn't going to punch him in the face. Yeah, but you really wanted to. Two things stopping you. He could probably kick your tail or you'd go to jail. Those are two things stopping you from living in the flesh. Christians aren't supposed to be that way. The things that's supposed to stop us as Christians from living in the flesh is submission to the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to look at these lists and we're going to, we'll start looking at those lists of things tonight. But those, the, this first list, the reason that you have all these laws in the world is because of the first list. There is no law that will give you the second list. It's the Holy Spirit of God. So it's walking in the Spirit. So what does that mean? That means I, through an act of the will and sub, in submitting to the Holy Spirit, I take the steps that I'm supposed to take every day. It's not that complicated. So here's the deal. Why is it so hard? Because I don't want to. You ever kids ever said that? Why aren't you? I don't want to. Laura says that. You ask her to do something. Oh, I wish I could, but I don't want to. (laughs) This is so clear. The reason that we live in the flesh is because we want to. And the reason we walk in the Spirit is because we want to. That's what it comes down to. Isn't that right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We do what we want to do. The reason that we sin is because we want to. Well, wait a minute. The Apostle Paul says, That which I would, that I do not. And that which I would not, that what I do. Uh, Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Yeah. My spirit wants to do right. My flesh doesn't want to do right. We just read that in Galatians 5. My spirit and my flesh, they're contrary to each other. They're fighting at each other. But the good news is the Spirit of God will war with my flesh. What's more powerful, the Spirit of God or your flesh? The Spirit of God. So then why do you sin? Because you want to. So what do we need? We need a new want to. How does that happen? Galatians 5. Look at verse 24. And they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. I've got to change what I want. I've got to put to death the fleshly things that I want so that the things of the Spirit can take over. It's an act of the will, folks. It is a decision that is made. If we live in the Spirit... and How many of you are saved? If you're saved, you live in the Spirit. Right? So if you live in the Spirit... Then look at what it says. Let us also walk in the Spirit. How do we do that? How do we do that? I don't remember exactly where it is. It's in 1st or 2nd Timothy. It's an interesting passage. Paul writing to a young pastor. And every man in the world struggles with the flesh. All right? Every woman in the world struggles with the flesh. 
So it's interesting. Paul doesn't tell Timothy to pray for Christ to keep him pure. You know what Paul tells Timothy? Keep thyself pure. Wow. Now all of a sudden the responsibility comes back to the believer. You're saved? Live right. How am I going to do that? I guess I'd better yield to the Holy Spirit then because that's the only way that it's going to happen. Let's pray.